Welcome in to the Dolphins in Death program, where we are just still aflutter with trade talk and the twin trades that came down last week with the Miami Dolphins. Star of the show, Adam Beasley. Are you not a flutter? What does that mean? When you're a flutter? Yeah. What, 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 is that like uh, you become a, a go from a caterpillar to a butterfly? Is that you're becoming a flutter? Well, uh, that's I guess one possible definition. I think it's when your 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 stomach feels lighter. You feel lighter. You feel like the all is right with the world. You feel like something good has happened or is about to happen. You feel like. Life is just treating you exactly the right way, and the heavens have opened up, and God is smiling down upon you. Oh, so you mean after the first bourbon of the evening? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do feel that way because I just crack Very one good. open. Yeah, I, I, I open a new bottle this morning. I always have one for breakfast, two for lunch, and three for dinner. So yeah, I am a flutter. You are also a sports writer, clearly. (laughs) So last week, the Miami Dolphins make a big trade, and then they wait a few minutes, and then they make another big trade. And your reaction to that was what? Well, in real time, it was, oh, wow, what an incredible haul. They are set up for years to come. And then 15 minutes later, it was like, oh, still a pretty good haul, but not as good. And yet they're still going to get the player that they won at six. That that was that was my mindset, and it was probably Chris Greer's mindset all along. Yeah. Um, so so let's uh, let's share some stuff. First of all, uh, this is what let's let's share some stuff with the folks of what we know. Fair? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Fair. Yeah. So uh, we know that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. Agreed. Yeah, particularly because Urban Meyer said said as much this week. They're not hiding their intentions. Uh, they uh, they are going to take Trevor Lawrence and some, unless something crazy happens in the next thirty days. We know the New York Jets are going to take Zach Wilson with the number two pick. Agreed. Uh, I have strong conviction that that will be their pick as well. Yes. Very good. I, I appreciate your strong conviction. We know that the San Francisco 49ers are going to take a quarterback with the number three pick. That's a hundred percent who it is. Most people think it's Mac Jones. Other people think it's Mac Jones, but <laughs> you know, it's going to be a quarterback. Agree. Can, 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 can we just sidebar for a second and discuss how, uh, the, the Niners felt like they had to move up to three if indeed their pick is Mac Jones, which still makes my head explode. Yeah, go ahead. Because is he the, is he the third best player in the draft? No. He might not be the third best quarterback. I mean, San Francisco grossly overpaid, grossly overpaid for a guy who's might not even be the fourth best quarterback in the draft. Uh, Justin Fields could be number three. Trey Lance, is that correct? Trey Lance uh, could be number three or number four. Um, and Mac Jones is a fine player, don't get me wrong, but he, he kind of has the sense to me of a guy who needs everything to go right for him around him to be at the top of his game, which, you know, there's certainly a place for that in the NFL, but giving up three first-round picks for that player seems to me crazy. So, 
I, I don't know if that is – I don't share the conviction <laughs> that I do about uh, Zach Wilson going two as I do Mac Jones going three. Yeah, um, you know, look, when this year started, I felt about Mac Jones the way I felt about Joe Burrow when 2020 began because mm-hmm. he was – on the radar way back there in the third or fourth round. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's the number three overall pick. And all I got to say about that is what I said about Tua Tungavailoa before the Dolphins picked him. The people that are around Mac Jones on the field when he takes it, relative to the people who are opposing him, is not fair and is a to say it bluntly, they make him look better than what he is. And, of course. And the other guys are not nearly as good as what he'll face. So the guys he's playing with are, as in many cases, better than what he's playing going to be playing with in the pros. And the guys he's playing against are much worse. That makes him look much better than what he actually will be in the NFL. And – that's going to take a, a minute for him to grow into if indeed he does. Which is probably why they're going to hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo for this year because the Niners see themselves I – mean, they're, they're certainly not – they don't have a talent of a team picking number three. And they're not – they weren't, weren't going to be picking number three. They're going to be picking number 12. But they were going to only going to be picking number 12 because they had a – just an avalanche of injuries last year. I mean, I, I can't think of a team that was more snake bit in 2020 than the Niners. So, you know, regression to the mean works both ways. I think that they were way worse than their record uh, last year, and they're going to snap back. And they don't want the snap back to be uh, impeded by the fact that Mac Jones has to learn how to play quarterback at the NFL level. So I I think they're going to go for it this year with Jimmy, and hopefully he has the temperament that can handle – being a mentor and the the alpha dog at the same time that's a that's a tough tightrope it really is um, but they're gonna they're they're gonna give whoever their quarterback is uh, a calendar year to really get his you know his feet under him before they expect him to do much of anything and the reason that the San Francisco 49ers are at number three is because they gave the Miami Dolphins the number 12 pick in the draft this year the first round they gave the Dolphins a first round pick in 2022 and they gave the Dolphins a first-round pick in 2023, and they gave the Dolphins, was it a third-round pick in 2022? Mm-hmm, correct. Uh, so that was a lot of stuff, and that was great uh, for the Miami Dolphins from a we-got-a-lot-of-stuff perspective. <laughs> we, they gave them a lot of opportunities. Um, here's my small concern. The Dolphins then saw themselves needing to get back in the top – five, six, seven, to be able to take a guy that they wanted. And they they called up their old trade partners, the Philadelphia Eagles. And how did that go? Not as well as the first trade. <laughs> it, it always, you always pay a premium to go into the top ten, and certainly the top six when there might be four quarterbacks going ahead of you. So you really have – you know, the number three pick again, three or four pick, if you go truly by value on the board because quarterbacks get pushed up more than they should. The Dolphins are going to get the second best, second or third best uh, position player, non-quarterback in the draft. And that's great. But I am a bit with you. Um, I, I think the, the conventional wisdom of the NFL is in the first round, 
you trade up for quarterbacks and nobody else. Well, they're trading up and it's not for a quarterback. And so they're giving up a, a first round pick along with the 12th overall pick uh, to go up six spots and whoever they might take. And we have our suspicions. It'll be either Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, one of those three players, uh, whoever they take better be a baller. I mean, that guy, that guy really better be good because if he's not, the Dolphins kind of just burnt a first-round pick because of it. You know, there is a scenario where they don't just get uh, the selection of the second-best position player in the draft. They get the, the, the selection of the best position player in the draft because Atlanta at number four and Cincinnati at number five, first of all, there's – Thoughts that Atlanta might pick a quarterback. They mm-hmm. might pick the fourth best quarterback uh, or the fourth quarterback left on the board. Let's put it that way. He might not be the fourth best. He might be the best uh, because Matt Ryan is, I think, 38 years old or something like that. And Cincinnati, I um, I help Jeff Hobson, who is the beat writer for the Cincinnati Bengals.com to do a uh, writer-infused mock draft. And in that mock draft, the Bengals traded down because someone wanted a quarterback. And you look right behind where the Dolphins are going to pick, and you have Carolina at number eight and Denver at number nine, and they both are very hungry for quarterbacks. They are both very likely to try to trade up. And so – if Atlanta picks a quarterback and then Cincinnati trades out for a team wanting a quarterback, guess where that leaves the Dolphins at number six? Yeah, I mean, do you, <laughs> do you really think there'd be five quarterbacks go in the top five, though? That would blow my mind. I mean, that would that possible. It, it, it certainly is possible. Um, I, I think I think a more likely scenario is the Bengals really need a tackle. I mean, really, really, really need some protection. And uh, Penaswell is an excellent player. He, they, you know, the rating for him is through through the roof. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I could see a scenario, Armando, in which the Dolphins get calls to move out of six to move down. If 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 there are a run, there is a run on quarterbacks, and there there are three skill position players left, the Dolphins like when they're, when they're picking at six. Um, I could see them sliding down to eight and, and picking up more assets. Uh, and still getting one of their guys. That that would not surprise me in the least. So you you are right. Cincinnati needs an offensive tackle to protect Joe Burrow. Otherwise, <laughs> he's going to end up pretty much in the same situation every year, which is on IR if they don't protect him. But if they do trade down with, say, a Carolina or a Denver, they might be able to get Panay Sewell. Mm, so, that's true. Uh, because the Dolphins aren't going to pick him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't know that Detroit is going to pick them. Uh, and Northwestern, yeah, Northwestern's got a stud too that should go in the top ten. So the, yeah. the Bengals, the Bengals could go to eight and still get a tackle for sure. You're right about that. Right. And by the way, uh, the talk out of Cincinnati, according to informed sources with the, <laughs> with the Bengals, is that Joe Burrow is lobbying on behalf of Jamar Chase. Which would be kind of a, a a bitter pill for the Dolphins to swallow right there, if that happens. I'm just going to leave that right there. 
Yeah, I mean, what's there's a lot to unwrap here, and I, I think you need the Dolphins wanted to move down a couple spots all along. They essentially executed a three team trade, right? They just they, they executed a three team trade over the course of twenty five minutes in two different transactions. And in an ideal world, they would have made a, a, a you know a heads up swap with the Eagles and just moved down to six, and 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 gotten whatever the Eagles were willing to give, and 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 that would have been the end of the day. But Philadelphia didn't want to move up. In fact, they wanted to move back. Uh, they are going. The Eagles are going to draft their quarterback in 2022, unless Jalen Hurts is a complete and utter stud this year. Uh, the Eagles could have as many as three first round picks depending on how Carson Wentz does, because it's a conditional one, conditional two, that, that trade. So they have the Dolphins' first-round pick. They have their own first-round pick, and they might have the Colts' first-round pick next year, too. So I, I think they're giving Hurts one year to see what he's got, and then they're going to own the draft next year and get, you know, and, and, and unless there's a Trevor Lawrence-type quarterback that emerges that no one's willing to move out of one for, they'll probably be able to get any player they want because they can offer anybody anything. Um but regardless, the Dolphins wanted to get more value out of that pick, and I applaud Chris Greer for that. That is what smart executives do. They had a they had an asset that was worth more than taking Jamar Chase there or taking even Kyle Pitts there, who I think we can get into for a second is is probably might be the best all round player in the draft, not named Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he is fantastic. So they so I, I credit Chris for getting some value with the pick and still ending up in a position where they can get the guy they want. Um, my, if I'm going to have a slight quibble, and this is only a slight one, it's he traded for a draft pick, the number, the number one, the, the first round pick in 2023, that there's no guarantee here Brian Flores are going to make. I mean, that to me is the most amazing part of this draft is how how much confidence they have in their own abilities to be here in 2023, which would be, and 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 you you have a much better mind for the Dolphins history than I do, but I. I can't oh, – like, when's the last time a head coach-GM tandem lasted five seasons together in this place? I mean, I, I've never covered a coach for five seasons. I I, I guess – did did Jimmy make it five years here? Well, <laughs> uh, 96, 97, 98, 99. No, he didn't. It would be Don Shula. So Don Shula was the last time and, – and, again, I'm not familiar with this history. Did he have a GM that was just his guy for, for a decade, or did he pick the players? Well, he had, uh, you know, obviously personnel people, mm-hmm. and uh, he had final say over the personnel people. Yeah, so this is, like, if this if this grouping in, in the current incarnation makes it five seasons, I mean, you're making Dolphins history. So they're really, really betting on themselves here. Well, and they should, because, <laughs> I mean... If Chris Greer is making moves uh, or refusing to make moves because he's thinking that, oh, no, this might help the guy that comes behind me, that's kind of get him a doctor because that's kind of sick. Uh, Most people think I'm going to be good and this is going to benefit me and the organization, not necessarily in that order. I I, I totally get that, but – this is year three now. They got to make the playoffs soon. Soon as in this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because they didn't make it the first two, and you know, all right, but it's year three. It's time to giddy up. So back to where we were. Does it concern you? Does it concern you, star of the show, that 
when the Eagles and the Dolphins were negotiating, the Eagles had a choice of the first round pick that they're getting next year. And it was either the San Francisco first round pick or the Dolphins first round pick. <laughs> and the, you're, you're laughing. <laughs> and the Eagles, in all of their wisdom or lack thereof, picked the Dolphins first round pick. And that tells you that the Eagles think that the Dolphins are not going to be as good as the 49ers next year. Well, that's, that's assuming Greer is willing to, to part with that. Again, he might be betting on himself. Uh, he, 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 and Greer might have, I don't know, I mean, you, you might have more information than I do. I don't, I don't know the specifics, but he may have put his foot down and said, no, you're getting the Niners pick. You're not getting our pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, I don't know. You're getting the pick from us, not the team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's I mean, talk about betting on yourself again. Um, I've already been on record in the last fifteen minutes saying that I think the Niners are going to be good this year. So the uh, Brian Flores must think he's got a, a, a superstar team, a team that's going to they're going to announce this week, presumably the seventeen game season, a team that's going to go twelve and five or something, and 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 and, and make a run at the division title and host a playoff game um, <laughs> because. Uh, if not, we could be in a scenario next year where the Dolphins, if things go sideways, they're giving the Eagles, uh, you know, a, a bonanza like the Texans gave the Dolphins and why, why we're able to have this conversation to begin with. So final point before we go to break. In this whole dynamic of dealing with the two teams and needing both teams to make it all work, in dealing with the 49ers, the 49ers were the instigators. Um, they were the team that called Jacksonville. They were the team that called uh, the Jets. They were the team that called the Dolphins. They were the team that called Atlanta. They were the team that called Cincinnati. They were the shopper, okay? Mm -hmm. In dealing with the Eagles, the Dolphins were the shopper. They were the team that was calling uh, you know, uh, Detroit, Carolina, um, and obviously the Eagles. So they were the shopper. They were the team trying to get back up. And I know this because that's what I was told. And so it's hard for me to fathom in that scenario, the Dolphins saying, you take this to the Eagles. You take our pick because in that scenario, the way it works is the team that is the shopper is typically the, not the dominant team. (laughs) Yeah. If you're asking for a favor, you're not making demands. (laughs) Right. Right. So, and it, and it bears out because the dolphins got the better of the shopper, San Francisco if you look strictly at the draft trade value chart, they destroyed the San Francisco 49ers uh, in that trade because the 49ers wanted something from them. Well, similarly, the Eagles beat the Dolphins in the draft trade value chart because it was the Dolphins that wanted something from the Eagles. So it's hard to fathom, again, 
even in, in any sort of reality, no, 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 you're not taking the San Francisco pick. We're giving you our pick. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, you're probably right, and we're going to get into that and a lot more on the other side of this break. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, I agree with everything you just said, and yet I'm still okay with what happened because the Dolphins have clearly have very strong conviction on landing a, a skill position player that is not only going to help Tua Tunga Bailoa, but is going to help this team win games at a high level. That that is what they're telling us. You, to give up giving up two first round picks uh, for a a player that's not a quarterback, you have to be darn sure that guy is going to be a star. And that's the message they're telling us. I mean, to to me, it's crazy. What what skill position player in the NFL right now would you give up two first round picks to acquire a veteran? What veteran would you give up two ones to go get? Justin Jefferson. Okay, he's pretty good. Agreed, and he's on a rookie contract, so he's got great value. Yeah, but you'd have to you'd have to admit the list is short. There aren't okay. there aren't a lot of players, and that's you have information. You have great information on NFL players about their ability and what they can do on a football field. When they're, you're drafting a guy, you're projecting. Because even if you take uh, you know, a Devontae Smith, a Jamar Chase, a, uh, a Kyle Pitts, all three of whom played in the best conference in college football with each team, well, most teams loaded with NFL talent, so you get a true sense of apples to apples, you still don't know for sure. That's why the, the NFL draft is a 50-50 proposition. Um, to me, it's, it's, it tells me that they're, they're all in on whichever of these guys they end up getting with total conviction that this guy is going to be a star. Because, uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I'm, and I'm struggling to think of uh, a, a, a position player in today's NFL draft that you would say, okay, yeah, two number ones, go get that guy right now. Right. And, by the way, so I mentioned Justin Jefferson. Um, there was a, a player that played alongside Justin Jefferson in 2019, and he was better than Justin Jefferson. He was the WR1, mm-hmm. and Justin Jefferson was WR2 on the national championship Louisiana State University football team, and his name is Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase didn't play last year. He opted out, but... That guy is the guy that the Dolphins absolutely have to think is our guy 
that we need more than anything, more than Kyle Pitts, by the way. He has to be the guy that they're locked and loaded for. Well, I mean, it's out of their control. It is. That's the (laughs) other thing. That is very good. It's like uh, you're absolutely right. It is out of their control because if Atlanta goes and they decide, yeah, we have a a 38,000-year-old quarterback, but we're going to get him receivers, Uh, (coughs) ouch. If Cincinnati (laughs) decides, yeah, we can't protect Joe Burrow, but by God, we're going to throw the ball down the field and we're going to draft a wide receiver? (laughs) Ouch, that hurts. Well, yeah, and so then you're taking Devontae Smith, right? Whoever that third guy is. Suppose that third guy is Kyle Pitts. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, um, Hell yeah. Kyle Kyle Pitts would be – I would take him at three. I think think Kyle Pitts – is will have the biggest impact not only this year but have the best career of any of these players. And if if the Dolphins if he didn't have tight end before his name and the Dolphins didn't have Mike Kosicki, it would be a slam dunk no brainer take him. I think he is that good. You listen to to people who know way more about the draft than I do, guys like Daniel Jeremiah who say, yes, Kyle Pitts is a phenomenal phenomenal tight end. He is a matchup nightmare. He is going to stretch the field, bust the seam. But you know what? If you need an X receiver, he can also play X at a really high level. And so for the Dolphins, that that addresses two needs at the same time. Just because Mike, Mike Isicki and Kyle Pitts are on the field at the same time, that just gives them two really fast, really big receivers that – uh, if you try to cover them with the safeties, they're going to they, they're going to run right by. And if you try to cover them with corners, they're going to run over. And I think I think th- that combination in this offense with Will Fuller, with Devontae Parker, with whoever their number five target will be, there's going to be a pretty fierce training camp battle because they have they have about twenty number four receivers, and one of those guys is going to win the number four or five receiver job. Um, I think this offense can be really dynamic. So I, I am all aboard the Kyle Pitts train. So I would like to be aboard. I didn't buy a ticket. And this is the reason I refuse to buy the ticket. Um, the Dolphins need speed. They need outside speed. They're a plodding, slow offense. And Kyle Pitts, God bless him, he averaged almost 18 yards a catch this year. And that's great. And that suggests he gets down the field. Um, and he had a 71-yard touchdown or something like that at some point, or at least a 71-yard reception. That's great, but he's not outside speed. I know, and people are going to say they're listening, and they're going, but Mondo, he ran a 4-4-6. Yeah, um, but he's not Mike Evans, okay? We all see Mike Evans, and he's 248 pounds or 245 pounds, and he runs a 4-4. And mm-hmm. there is that. Kyle Pitts is more, you know, you, you mentioned he could be an X receiver. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I do know he's, he's, he's a pass-catching tight end. And the Dolphins got one of those. So why are we doing th- this again? I, I think he is, he's, I mean, We'll see what he runs tomorrow because presumably he's going to work out at Florida's Pro Day. Um, But he has a 
home run speed. What he doesn't have is sudden speed because he's six five and two forty or whatever. He's a giant, but so he's you know he's not going to be Tyree Kill obviously because he's not built that way. But he's one of these striders guys. He's like a thoroughbred. Like once you once you get him going, he, corners are going to be stunned that oh no he's fine. He's you know he can't run by me. All of a sudden you know at, ten yards past the line of scrimmage, he hits another gear and he's gone. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got no concerns. Now, the question I would have is, is this. If they go get a Kyle Pitts, what do you need Devontae Parker for? I mean, that's, yeah. that, to, that, that to me is because, I mean, certainly Pitts is, can do things in the seam and with his hand in the dirt that Devontae can't, clearly. He's a tight end, and, and, and Devontae's not. But I think Pitts can do just as much on the outside as Devontae can, and, and that would – that would probably make Devontae Parker redundant. So it's the exactly. I mean, from a team building standpoint, you need the maybe the smaller guy that has the speed and quickness, as opposed to the bigger guy who's a matchup nightmare, no doubt about it. But you have Mike Gesicki and you have Devontae Parker, and so now we're we're doing three of those similar guys. I would say the odds are pretty decent. I'm not going to say it's the odds-on favorite, but I'd say the odds are pretty decent that the Dolphins yeah, place and, and receive calls for Dante Parker draft weekend. It, it would not at all surprise would not at all surprise me if they move on from him, uh, get you know a third or fourth round pick or whatever you know whatever they can, and use that pick to get more speed. And, and I don't think this team is speed deficient. I don't. I think they were speed deficient last year because um, they made you know questionable personnel decisions, and their fastest guy opted out, or the second fastest guy opted out. I mean, they would have had a lot more speed if Albert Wilson was was on the field, and we'll see what he looks like. He hasn't played a game in nearly two years, but they haven't cut him yet. He's clearly, at least on some level, part of their plans, and they got Will Fuller now. So they, they, this, is, this will be a more dynamic offense no matter who they draft just because of those two guys. Well, as you know, I reported uh, a couple of weeks ago that the Dolphins had told Drew Rosenhaus, the agent for both uh, Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, that they wanted to keep them, that both were in their plans. And I'm thinking, that's great for them. (laughs) That's great for all parties involved, except that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Those two guys, I mean... You got twelve guys as wide receivers in the room, and if I'm picking five or six, I'm not sure that both of them make it. Oh no, uh, absolutely not. Uh, I think, and I, I mentioned it before. I think there's there what they want to do is they want to take all these guys to camp, and they're going to pick two of the the the, the eight or nine that are competing for two spots, and there's going to be very very little margin for error. And that's good. That's how good teams get better. They 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 add as much talent as they can, and they they let it they let it play out, and they figure out who their who their best group is. So I, I think that's I think that's the case. So yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think whoever they draft will means like I say if they, they if they draft Kyle Pitts, it definitely means that, you know Albert Wilson's on the team. No, he's got to go and earn it. Uh, but I do think they've given themselves a lot of options in training camp. They, they they have now guys that do a bunch of different things for them. They have they have guys that that fit different roles, and I don't think they really had that last year. They had a bunch of big, 
jump ball receivers. Uh, you know who I think is on very thin ice on this team is Preston Williams. Um, talk talk about if they go and get a Kyle Pitts, a guy that has zero role in this team. Again, unless there's injuries, unless they, they trade Devontae and they keep on. But Preston doesn't really play special teams. He, he, the only time he returned a punt, he got hurt, right? So uh, the, these guys they keep, if they, even if they keep seven receivers, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility, the last three have to be big-time special teams contributors. Well, you know, I like Preston Williams, and I especially like that they got him for nothing because mm-hmm. he was an undrafted uh, signee, but you can't finish your first two years on IR and miss the bulk of the games that you could have played and have any sort of security. So, yeah. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, this is this is the NFL. There's... He he had a scholarship year and he had an injured year. That's that's all you get. That's and, all you get. And in in a year three, if he doesn't show up uh, to training camp, fit, healthy, plugged in, knows whatever their offense is going to look like, whatever the, I presume they've they've started distributing the playbooks. I'd be, I would love to get my hands on that. Uh, but what, whatever the offense uh, looks like, he better have that down cold uh, because there are, as I said, seven other dudes that are gun for his job. But if Kyle Pitts is the pick, his chances of making the team, I would say, are better, not worse. Because? Because he is an XY guy, an XY receiver, and he knows the offense. And And when he's not hurt, he's a starter. And if, like you said, Devontae Parker is, is or is not, possibly on the trade block on draft weekend, um, you you almost have need of Preston Williams. Yeah, I, I, I've just never been the biggest Preston Williams guy because even when he's healthy, he's inefficient. Um, I mean, he's his, his catch uh, percentage is low. His drop percentage is high. I mean, he... Yeah, so he, he's a big target in the red zone, and George Godsey loves big targets. That's that, and that's why I think Kyle Pitts is is is, is so appealing to him because that's the kind of guy he covets. What um, about Eric Stoosville? Who does he like? <laughs> because you can't just give me uh, George Godsey. You got to give me half coordinator George Godsey, half coordinator Eric Stoosville. He loves Travis Etienne. We'll get to that later. <laughs> so it's – look, as far as Preston Williams, and I don't have any stats to back it up, okay? This is just eye candy for me and what I feel. Tua was better when Preston Williams was in the lineup. He looked better. And after Preston Williams was gone, he looked worse. Leave it there. Yeah. Uh, is is that causation or correlation, though? That's what I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, in that Arizona game, would we agree that the best game that Tua Tungabailoa played in 2020 was against the Arizona Cardinals? Totally. Totally agree. And, and, and I think it was before defensive coordinators got the book on Tua. I think uh, Chan was so heavy with his tendencies and what he did with Tua and so unwilling to try – things outside the box because I don't know how much they trusted the guy that uh, last year. Um, they, 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 
defensive coaches knew how to stop him. They they had the book on him. They knew what he was where where he's going to go with the ball. They knew when he would he would roll out. It would always be to his left. I mean, they 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 had the book on him. So that's gonna that's gonna be the challenge George Godsey and Eric Studesville have this year is to rewrite the book and 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 make you know just blow up the tendencies that Tua has and and that's part of being an NFL quarterback. I mean, that's what you have to prove when you make the leap from year one to year two. And and again, we were we've both been hard on the guy and rightfully so. He's a number five pick and didn't play well his last five or six starts, but. Let's see now. Let's see what an entire offseason is. His body certainly looks right. We watch, we see the Instagram videos. He looks like a, you know, he's chiseled. He's an Adonis. He looks much stronger, more mobile than he was coming off that hip injury. Let's see from the neck up. Let's see how he does there. Uh, you said unwilling for Chan. He would tell you unable. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the fact is Tua wasn't ready to do everything it, and it's and it was obvious because the guy that was ready then did it and when he played right it was yes the, the dolphins needed better weapons last year but that wasn't the reason the offense was as bad as it was right uh there was myriad reasons one more thing before we go star of the show mm-hmm. so you mentioned earlier about um uh, making a draft pick trade in a year for, for a draft pick in a year that you may or may not be around. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about Chris Greer and Brian Flores. Um, one guy that we know is going to be around is the owner, Stephen Ross. Right. I mean, unless he decides I don't like the Miami dolphins anymore, I'm going to go by, you know, Australia uh, he's he's gonna be the owner of the Miami Dolphins. He's, by all accounts, he's in excellent health. There's he still climbs stairs every morning. He's 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 going to be around, correct? He had every as much to do with these trades as anyone in the Dolphins organization because every single move that was done uh, this last week in making these trades were approved by Stephen Ross. Of course, of course. So what does that tell you? Well, he's all in on these guys. He, he's told – I know that the last time I spoke with him, uh, he, he had decided that Brian Flores hung the moon. He mm-hmm. had decided that. So uh, that was that. Um, and obviously he's believing in what Chris Greer is doing because he approved every single – again, he – if this goes great, the guys that are going to get credit are Brian Flores, Chris Greer, and Stephen Ross. If this goes terrible, the guys that should get ripped for it are Brian Flores, Chris Greer, and Stephen Ross because they're all in it together. All wow, wow! You're you're. Uh, what about Brandon Shore, man? Give yeah, give the man his due. <laughs> okay. Tell the people who Brandon Shore is. Uh, he is their – how would you even describe him? I their mean, capologist. Their, their, yes, but it's more than that. It's He's also like, like their head analytics strategic guy too. Like he is – he 
my guess is that they had to make sure the value was good with Brandon Shore before uh, executing that trade. I'm sure he had a voice in that, which is good because he's a smart guy that 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 knows you know how value works, and he's helped them execute some of the biggest trades in the NFL the last four years. But yes, he is fourth fiddle in that quartet for sure. It's amazing because he has the best he has the best job in the organization. He really totally. does. Oh. Uh, two years ago, 2019, I asked to interview Brandon Shore and like do a story on him at the time when the Dolphins were tanking and they mm-hmm. were selling off. They hate it when I say that, by the way. Oh, they so much. <laughs> they hate it when I say that. Um, they were tanking and uh, they were selling off parts and they were paying people to take players, including Ryan Tannehill and others. And I asked to speak to Brandon Shore because he was the guy in charge of clearing up the salary cap situation. And I was promised that in 2020, I would be able to do that. I was told (laughs) this isn't the time next year when it's all cleared out, he'll sit down with you and explain what the idea was and what the theory was and what the results were. And he'll talk to you. Absolutely. What year is this? Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're three months into 2021. Yeah, I still haven't talked to Brandon Shore, and that I know of, neither has anyone else. No, it's he, like, is, he is the man behind the curtain. He gets, like, all this power. The, the, the head coach mentions him all the time, but <laughs> it's, it's, he's a mystery guy. <laughs> you, you can't talk to him. You, I mean, I follow him on Instagram. He follows me. Uh, I see him in the press box. Very pleasant person, but we're never able to talk business with him. And I'm sure he loves that. Yes, that's by design. (laughs) Yes, it is. We appreciate you joining us this week on the Dolphins In-Depth Show. Star of the show, Adam Beasley. Another stellar job by you. Hey, thanks. Right back at you. Thank you, and uh, I'm Romando Salguero, caddy of the show. Join us again next week on the Dolphins in Depth show.